Yeah. So it went from taco smell to fecal matter. I mean, that's well, it does. I mean, down. it's like taco meat, but it's also like a, like a farty kind of like like someone had tacos and they went to the bathroom. How about that? <laughs> Welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who decries the taste of coffee, but chugs Mountain Dew like it isn't equally horrific, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man whose taste of coffee apparently offends his co-hosts, Mike Albright. (laughs) And of course, the man whose most exceedingly pretentious loves are music, wine, and coffee, and not necessarily in that order, the man far, far too handsome for a latte, Jesse Clark. Today is March 31st, 2015, and we're recording episode 51, Caffeine Addicts. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And for those of you who enjoy listening to podcasts via Stitcher, we are now there as well. We provide nearly near-daily news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out, and subscribe today. So I can't necessarily speak for my co-hosts, but my addiction to caffeine borders on the inhuman. Because cocaine and speed are illegal and Ritterol (laughs) requires a prescription, caffeine becomes the greatest drug a man can buy legally without a hassle. And while the Drew Carey show might claim to have invented the caffeinated beer, coffee-flavored beer has been around for quite a while longer. It is in honor of the mixture of beer and coffee that... This week's opening question is, if you were to add another caffeinated beverage to a beer, (laughs) if you were to add... (laughs) I'm not editing that out. (laughs) If you were to add another caffeinated beverage to a beer, nope, not editing. You can get to all the double and triple takes you want to do. I'm not even putting a marker in. (laughs) Thanks, Jesse. If you were to add another caffeinated beverage to a beer, what would it be and why? So, Mike, please save me and give me your answer. Well, first of all, I just want to give a shout out to my new computer. Hey, check that out. My old computer. Sexy slim. Yeah, very slim. My old computer really couldn't run solitaire without lagging. Uh, (laughs) So I'm excited about the upgrade. Hopefully it'll make me sound a little bit better. Um, Also, what is Ritterall? Uh, Ritalin Ritalin and Adderall Adderall combined together. I just like to call it Ritterall Ritterall. because it's funny. That's a good good idea. I don't think I ever. I don't think I coined it. I think I found it off a television show, but it really. Yeah, Adderlin fit. doesn't sound real well. No, Adderlin <laughs> doesn't. Because at first I thought you meant the date rape drug. And I was like, what the hell? I know that's Rohitnol. Okay, all right. Shame on you for knowing that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or um, I, I think that's what it's called. All right. So my answer is: I say, if you can't beat them, join them, and that's why I would spike all my future beers with pickle juice and Excedrin. Oh God. Yeah. Ew. Yes, pickle juice. Uh, it's your grandmother's remedy to eliminate hangovers, and it's actually becoming a very posh uh, beverage in general. You can actually buy them in like little shots, kind of like those five-hour energy drinks. They now sell just pickle juice. Wow. And yeah, I mean, some people really get into pickle juice, and if you do, hey, there's a drink for you. Uh, but I'm just picturing Olya jumping up and down in joy right now. Yeah. And uh, actually, I was at uh, a local uh, falafel and pita joint, and apparently they sell uh, pickle juice there, too. Huh. Yeah, you can just get a nice, frosty uh, pickle juice drink. Uh, and I feel like the salinity really helps with like hangovers. And uh, why not double my your pain relief by throwing in a couple of crushed Excedrin and mix it up? 
Excedrin contains caffeine, which is an analgesic for headaches. Uh, so I believe the duo would be my cocktail ticket to Happy Town, which would be a nice departure from Upchucksville, my usual haunt. <laughs> <laughs> So lately, I feel like I, I, everything's giving me hangovers. Like I just have a couple of IPAs, and it's like boom. Next morning, just feel terrible. So I feel like if I like mixed up one of these in the morning, and threw it into a beer, I'd feel maybe much much better. Maybe that's or what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, I think yeah. Maybe, maybe you want to try that? Well, maybe. I mean, the last couple of days, the last actually for the last week almost now, I've been waking up feeling like that. But it's for something else and entirely. Um, I was in a car accident, and I got a perhaps a concussion, and so. Uh, Actually, I'm not supposed to drink any alcohol, and I'm not supposed to have any caffeine. So I was actually thought of the worst beverage ever: <laughs> decaf coffee and non-alcoholic beer. No. <laughs> um, just shoot yourself. It just that's punch yourself in the balls type thing. It's like that's just bad. Like, you're, you're why have coffee if it doesn't have caffeine? Why have beer if it? Does, it's just, oh gosh. Yeah. So your invention was called "What's the point?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just. <laughs> Here, have yourself a what's the point. Yeah. <laughs> it the doesn't un- taste good, doesn't help you in any way, so what's the point? The most unsatisfying <laughs> drink ever. Yes. Uh, That's what I brought for you tonight. Mm. So for me, uh, when posed this question, Jesse's immediate reaction was to suggest that the addition of silver, but of soda flavorings was an automatic disgusting proposition. And yet my first thought was that if you could discard the overabundance of carbonation in most sodas, that there is a there are a few combinations that actually might work. Specifically, I was thinking about the highly caffeinated fruit, F-R-O-O-T, mm. flavored beverages like Jolt, if it was still on the market. Taking something sugary sweet with a hint of lemon lime and combining it with something equally sweet, like a Lindemann's Creek or... The combination of lemon, lime, and cherry in a dessert beer that packs a caffeinated punch sounds like a drink from heaven. Oh, man. I think we're getting another concussion just listening to this bullshit. (laughs) Are you telling me I can be drunk and hyper at the same damn time? You can have a stimulant and a depressant at the same time? (laughs) They cancel each other out. I just really want to leave the bar being like, ah! As I'm sure my local bartender would appreciate. (laughs) So with that... Bouncing off the walls. Yeah, bouncing off the walls. Cornholio there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like my energy. <laughs> so that let's move on to a little beer news. Beer news. So Mike, I think this was a little local news you were going yeah. to. Yeah, definitely a little local news. So a couple of newspapers, the local paper and the Harrisburg paper, have been running beer brackets, which I would like to say was our idea first, but because <laughs> yeah. we're kind of lazy, never put one together. <laughs> and now other this people have true. taken the idea and run with it. And so they're, they're doing an interesting idea. Um so Lancaster newspapers, basically, they broke it down into four categories, kind of like the four uh, regions that you see in uh, college basketball, which is what they're t- uh, doing a takeoff of. Um, and they did I- what IPAs, lagers, porters and stouts, and miscellaneous. And they took a bunch of local beers, uh, kind of like regional, like you have anything from like really small stuff like, uh, let's say, Wacker, uh, to things like maybe uh, like an Iron Hill or a Trogues. They were thrown in there, too. And they've been having people vote on what they like between the two. And they're whittling it down to eventually they're at the final four now, and they'll have a, they'll crown a winner. Uh, so for Lancaster's poll, uh, definitely there is one brewery that stands out amongst all of them, and that would be Columbia because three of the four beers are from Columbia that made it mm-hmm. to the final four. So the two uh, that they have there are uh, well, the first is Trogues, Troganator Doppelbach has made it, they made it through, and the others are Columbia Kettleworks Grinch Feet, which is their holiday red ale. And in the next bracket, it's Columbia Kettle Works Imperial Wheat IPA and Columbia Kettle Works Chocolate Porter. I can't say if I've had these before. I might have tried their Imperial Wheat, but I don't really recall 
being blown away by it. But I did not get to try their Grinch feet, and I definitely mm. have not had their chocolate porter, which sounds delicious. Mm. Uh, I'd like the Doppelbach, uh, the Doppelbach by Trogany, uh, Trogues. Um, I know it has its legion of cult fans, which is probably why it's made it this far in the voting, but I just really can't get behind it. It's really, it just doesn't, not my favorite beer. If anyone from Lancaster Online is actually listening to this, um, can I provide some free technical support? Because, oh, yeah, please do. To be perfectly honest, your integration of the bracket ninja brackets and uh, the like survey monkey surveys or whatever the hell you're using is really sort of, no offense, kind of very much embarrassing. <laughs> um, yeah. But what are they, because that's what I want. I want to see what they started with, because for me, like Troganator Doppelbach or Doublebach is not. A bad beer. It's a good beer, but I'm like, what about like they're actually really, really good beers? You know, what about uh, Nugget Nectar for heaven's sakes? Yeah, I mean that should be that's my favorite from them by far. I can't imagine that um, Troganator was was besting that in, in competition. Well, that was I guess Troganator was under what the loggers I think. Well, here let me break it down. Like let's go look at the IPA category. So it started out with like uh, Appalachian Brewing Company's uh, Hoppy Trails. Uh, there they are. Beat out Black Forest Americana Pale Ale. I'm gonna get up there. And then let's see, uh, Columbia Kettleworks uh, beat Iron Iron Hill Ironbound Ale. Uh, Joe Boy Smash IPA actually lost in the first round to Langster Brewing Company's Hop Hog. Uh, Irregardless beat out Moo Ducks Hoppy Toad IPA. Uh, Pizza Boy West Shore beat out Mud Hook Bender. Was it Bender? Bender Double IPA. Uh, that South- Seven Gates beat out Pizza Boy West Shore IPA. Yes. So there's Bullshit. been there's been quite a lot of odd choices. I mean, I guess it's all fan voted, but actually the worst one is the Harrisburg poll because in their final four they included some regional beers or like national beers that aren't necessarily local. Uh, Natty Bow is in the final four, oh. national fucking Bohemian, and you got to see what beers it beat out. Uh, if I can f- bring up the actual versus Mooduck. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I mean, good for Mooduck. Where's the brackets? Why are there picture videos of people? Yeah, I have no idea. Here we go. Whoa. Uh, okay. What? All right. So Nash, Natty Bo started out going up against Yingling Lager and won against that, which is bullshit. Then it went, went against uh, Storm King and beat that. And then it went against ah! Firestone Walker's Double Jack Double IPA and beat that. Wow. I know it's got its called following, but come on, people. Yeah, really. That's that that's was called somebody was doing it ridiculous. for ironic. Um, I'm looking at that. Uh, it says our first pole pitted Appalachian Brewing Company's Water Gap Wheat against Founders Breakfast Stout. I'm hoping that that actually turned out the way I would expect. Yeah, Founders, Founders Breakfast Founders would have crushed it. So yeah, I mean these are online, so it's you know it's a tough deal and it's tough to determine who. Well, I can't believe Pizza Boy Sunny Side Up, which is a delicious beer, got beat out by Southern Tears Creme Brulee. I've had that beer. It's not great. It's kind of sweet and sickly. Well, currently, if you look at the website, the Water Gap Weep is beating the breakfast is beating breakfast out ninety one point nine two percent to eight point oh eight percent. Yeah, the Water like, Gap Weep close. Oh man. So so yeah. I don't know if there's like just a shitload of hipsters in Harrisburg or if someone's having fun with this poll, but yeah, a bunch of bitches. <laughs> So uh, obviously we don't agree with those terms at all, yeah. and obviously this is not actually well. But much like March Madness, sometimes the uh, the not yeah, better there, team does win. There so. have been some crazy upsets, both yeah. in this and, and basketball. So by the time this episode comes out, uh, these will probably be done. So you can go to the respective websites and find out who the winner was, and see if you're as flabbergasted as we are. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! So uh, 
Moving on to some regional news, or actually, it should be national news. National news. Um, Flying Dog wins right to sell Raging Bitch in Michigan. So, uh, Flying Dog has a beer. Uh, all their beers are dog themes, and they have one that's uh, Raging Bitch, and I've actually seen it at our local mm-hmm. bottle shops. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I've had it yet, though. I think I have. Um, but anyway, uh, in, in 2009, they requested approval to register the Raging Bitch uh, beer slash label in the state of Michigan. Um, in November of 2009, the Michigan Liquor Control Commission said, nope, that is an offensive label. We do not want it. Yep. Now, obviously, yes, there is a bit of a plan of words here, but um, they're dog themes. And a female dog is a bitch. That is, you know, a dictionary definition of what bitch would mean. And so one can disingenuously say that uh, flying dog is trying to use it as a derogatory term towards a woman. But within the theme of their of their actual beer beer uh, selections, it it actually works quite well with the theme. You know, they're saying that it's a raging bitch. So um, basically, then in April of 2010. Flying Dog uh, decided to appeal the decision. Um, and they had a hearing in front of the, the actual commission itself. So they actually sent a representative out there, a lawyer, to say, hey, we believe this is a First Amendment issue because it's not offensive. Um, the word has another meaning, and that's the meaning that we're intending. So there's no reason you should be able to censor this. Uh, so they put that in front of the uh, commission. The commissioners denied the Flying Dog's appeal. So then in March 2011, Flying Dog sued, uh, basically to the U.S. District Court against the commission and each of its individual commissioners. So they basically said, I don't like your ruling. I'm taking the entire court to court itself. So I'm going above your heads. Um, So then in uh, April of 2011, uh, Flying Dog filed a preliminary injunction requesting that Raging Bitch be sold in Michigan while the case is pending. And then in June of 2011, uh, with the federal case pending, the commission reversed its ban on Raging Bitch allowing it to be sold in state. So there's a lot of big fighting going on for something as stupid as um, a beer called Raging Bitch Belgian Style IPA that has a very abstract um, painting of a very angry dog on it. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting that the uh, Supreme Court, they basically argued that it was a First Amendment issue and it uh, should be something that they are allowed to do as part of like self-expression uh, to overrule Michigan. And Michigan couldn't really put together a legal argument stating that why it was offensive in mm-hmm. the context in which it was. So um, good on them. And it's nice to see that uh, breweries can have the legal clout and some of the budget to be able to say um, this is unreasonable and we want to you know, push the boundaries of what is yeah. acceptable to be sold when it's a product that's automatically sold to people over 21. Meanwhile, in Europe, uh, a meat keller beer I had that I purchased when I was over on my trip uh, is a part of a series that they sell called Fuck Art. This is, insert something here. So the bottle I bought was Fuck Art. This is architecture. And it had that very triangular building whose placement or name I cannot recall. Pyramid? No, well, sort of. But it's like a, it's like a very pointy isosceles triangle. And it's a very famous building. You've probably seen it before. It might be in San Francisco. But anyway, yeah, it's a whole part of their series. And I was just kind of like, I bought it simply because of the name because I thought, well, here's something I'll never be able to find in America. Uh, because, yeah, obviously, if people are getting upset about the Raging, Raging Bitch title, the whole, you know, F-bomb in a beer t- uh, label is probably not going to get sold here anytime soon. So Alan Gura of the um, law firm of Gura and Poseski, PLLC, shot some harsh 
words for their uh, press release. It's, uh, let this be another lesson to the politically correct crowd. There's no free ride for violating Americans' free speech rights. In 21st century America, officials cannot ban words, artwork, and poetry they dislike. Illegal censorship causes real harm, and Michigan's Liquor Commission will now be made to pay real money for the damages they've done. And he ain't kidding, because according to the ruling, Flying Dog is now allowed to go back and sue them for damages between the start in 2009 of not being wow. allowed to sell to when the ruling was overturned and they were allowed to sell. So they could argue that yeah. based on sales, lost sales they yeah. lost all this money and the state has to pay them that money. Holy cow. So um, now, obviously, that's got to go through a court procedure and decisions made and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it was sort of like just because you didn't like a silly word mm-hmm. out of context, you know. So hopefully that m- makes them think twice about banning stuff in the future over political correctness. Just thought that was really interesting. So, Mike, you've got a little, little more news for us. Yep, part of our ongoing series of Kickstarter alerts. Um, it's not quite up yet, but it should be by the time this episode comes out. Is a new Kickstarter by someone trying to put together their own beer kit. Um, mm-hmm. It's basically uh, launched by a man called Ryan Sanders, who is actually uh, behind the Better Beer kits, which you might have purchased before. Uh, he's coming out with. Uh, called kit labs basically what it is is it's a kind of a website it's like a sharing platform that allows you to upload your beer recipes and they will package them and sell them in kit form now how this also differs is that if you um, not only get to buy your own beer kit but other people can buy your beer kit and if a lot of people buy your beer kit you will also get a portion of the proceedings so basically they will cut you in on a certain percentage of their sales so if you actually come up with like a really great recipe that a lot of people want to buy and use, uh, you could actually make some money off of it. Huh. In fact, you don't even have to purchase anything off of the website. You can just upload recipes, and if one of them takes off, you can start making money that way. That sounds well, that awesome. Sounds, yeah. Yep. So, and they say they're pretty open as far as like what ingredients you can throw in. They say they've gotten some really weird ones, and short of say something that they can't legally ship, or say something that's extremely perishable that they can't really ship without it like you know rotting right away. Goat brains, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they'll pretty much put. I any- didn't know goat brains had such a shelf life. <laughs> I have no idea, but I assume it does. They'll, they'll pretty much uh, put anything. <laughs> Why do you assume that? <laughs> uh, could you put the moon dust in it, like the dogfish? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here? Well, I mean, like they said, they've had over 500 recipes pledged so far. Uh, a couple of the ones they've gotten are the cucumber basil cezanne, uh maple bacon coffee porter, and uh, hibiscus wit, just to name a few. Hmm. That sounds cool. It's actually a really nice idea because I know a lot more people who are. From the home brewing side are really like uh, Dan Annis, who was a guest not too long ago on his episode, our February episode. He's already got like a IPA that he makes regularly because he likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a modification of a of another of a clone of something, and I'm um, forget exactly what it is. If it's, I think it was maybe Hopnosh, might be a Hopnosh clone that he modified a little bit. But uh, yeah, if you like that recipe, and he goes, "This is really good." He could literally, you know, put it up there or. Um, Joel, Joel's IP that he made. He's got the recipe for it, so you mm-hmm. can put that up there. And for the love of God, Joel, if you're listening, that would be awesome yeah, because I want more of that beer. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they have a couple of I guess like so-called celebrities too that have already uh, pledged to upload recipes to it. Um, people that uh, maybe if you follow these uh, venues, uh, Marshall Shot uh, Brulosophy dot com, Billy Broas, PBS personality and founder of the Homebrew Academy, and Terry Farendorf from the Pink Boots Society, which is a nonprofit focused on supporting w- women in brewing. 
Um, and yeah, it's called Kit Labs, and that Kickstarter should be up by the time you are listening to this episode. Cool. So I'm not sure what sort of goodies they're going to be giving away or what you know sort of deals or perks they might have for, for supporting them. But yeah, if you're into the idea, there's a website right there. You can make a little money. Sounds awesome. So another craft beer news, the craft beer bubble, quote unquote, grows even more in 2014. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, we've been talking about since as long as this podcast is has been going on that uh, there is this uh, dangerous craft beer bubble that's growing and growing and is on the verge of bursting. Well, it turns out 2014 proved yet again that that is not the case. Uh, For the first time ever, the Brewers Association is putting out numbers that say craft brewers reached 11% volume share in the marketplace. We've broken into double digits. So uh, in 2014, craft brewers produced 22.2 million barrels and saw an 18% rise in volume and a 22% increase in retail dollar value. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, that's a pretty big increase. However, what's even better about it is even though there was an 18% rise in volume, there was only a 0.5% increase of beer overall, hmm. which means that uh, in order for those numbers to make sense, Mass market breweries have to be losing market share uh, for the 18% rise that uh, the craft brewing market has had, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, so uh, I guess uh, Brewers Association has been looking for having um, 20% market share by 2020, and these are pretty solid numbers to say that that's actually legitimately possible. Attainable. Do they sorry? Do they say how many uh, breweries that there are in the U.S. now? Yep. So uh, so in 2014, breweries grew 19% totaling 3,464 breweries with 3,418 considered craft broken down as follows. 1,871 microbreweries, 1,412 brew pubs, and 135 regional craft breweries. Um, So throughout the year, there was 615 new brewery openings and only 46 closings. So again, you might want to say that all this stuff's opening, but it's going to shrink. Well, 46 closed when... Um, over 10 times that opened. So. It's just, I was about to ask, I wonder what closed, but uh, rest in peace, Zuck Foltzfus. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Um, so over the year, craft uh, brewers, craft uh, brewing provided 115,469 jobs, which is almost 5,000 new jobs in the previous year. So uh, craft beer is, uh, you know, exciting new job market. So that's also Definitely. pretty neat. So that was pretty awesome numbers. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for what craft beer is going to do this year. And uh, don't worry about that craft beer bubble bursting until you start seeing numbers that are the exact opposite of this. Yep. Keep on drinking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So with that, let's move on to my favorite segment on the show, Point Counterpoint. Uh, beer is sexiest edition. Mike, this was your find, um, even though it was exactly in my sort of interest wheelhouse. So why don't you tell us what this is all about? All right. So let me just look up. Should we open up the hot cock beer real quick? Oh, this? yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I forgot Pour about some that. of that hot cock. All right. So, Speaking um, of sexist remarks. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that we get fired from our own podcast <laughs> by a... Crowd of angry, <laughs> angry women with pitchforks and torches. Uh, we are going to, in, in fact, have the hot cock uh, beer. Um, <laughs> you said hot, and, <laughs> and by that I mean Rogue's uh, officially licensed uh, sriracha hot stout beer. 
So um, this has been on the shelves for, uh, I think, actually a couple months now. And um, it's in a bright, beautiful red Sriracha bottle. Um, 750 Miller bottle, and it's just been calling out to me. I've had several people ask if I've had it yet. So today we thought, um, while we're discussing a painful topic, we might as well be drinking a painful beer. And so we're going to get right to that. Trust me, this will be a lot better than the beer I wanted to get you. Let's just say I've got a new beer for slumming it. (laughs) (laughs) So Jesse, I'll just give you a small taste. Or I'll take it from that one then. I keep expecting it to come out like bright red, but yeah. uh, that's a little impractical. It is a stout, so I'm, it's... I was trying to. Say, I don't. I was hoping to smell some of the sriracha, but well, Jesse, since your accident, who Ooh. knows how yeah. <laughs> capable you are processing things? It does smell like like vegetal or like I don't know, kind of beanie farty? Yeah, it's not how I like taco meat. That's what I get. I get a lot of taco meat smell. Yeah, Re- yeah, re- you're refried, absolutely right. Refried it's taco. Beans, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is. I get a little bit of the sriracha smell in there. I don't know how much of this is like power of suggestion. Like I smell like, I don't know, you just say like something like, yeah. Well, I, I think so. I mean, I just had tacos, so I'm pretty sure that's what's suggesting to me. It's definitely a different smell from what your t- typical stout is. Uh, I mean, it looks oh, like a normal man. stout. If okay. It, yeah, oh, there's the Christ. burn. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I would love to have this as a joke mm. beer where I just bought it, popped yeah. it, poured it, and we're like, here, enjoy a stout. Oh, man. It's not really a great taste in general. Like It doesn't really taste like a stout at all. And then it just starts to burn, and you're like, like if you didn't know, why what, did I drink? If you didn't like, this would be a great gag. Like if you just poured it for someone and gave it to them, because they'd be like, oh my god, why is it burning? I don't understand. <laughs> okay, remember that time when um, I was hungover and you made that eggs with the curry in it? Ooh. This is how I felt. <laughs> for the record, those are the best eggs I've ever made. <laughs> you didn't tell me they were had curry in it. <laughs> I, I thought they were supposed, they were That's normal true. eggs. I'm looking. I'm like, I am really screwed up in the morning right now. <laughs> That is true. I probably should have warned you that there were some hidden herbs and spices in there so that you did not think that your taste buds have broken in the evening. Uh, so I'm going to I taste curry. But, uh, yeah. No, this beer stinks to me. Like it just. It, it's, yeah, this is. I mean, I like I like uh, sriracha sauce. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very big fan of the hot cock sauce. Yeah, I heard what I said and I'm saying it again. I enjoy hot cock sauce, but uh, not in beer. No, definitely not. And it just like as a stout, it's even a weird choice of style. I go to drink it, and just the smell hits me in the face. It's sort of like walking in the into the bathroom after someone like has been in there. Oh. Like it just, it's not a pleasant smell at all, and the, the taste has really nothing to write home about either. So it went from taco smell to fecal matter. I mean, that's well, it does. I mean, it's like taco meat, but it's also like a, like a farty kind of like like someone had tacos and they went to the bathroom. How about that? <laughs> Digested taco yeah. meat. No, I just got to burn. I just got to burn. I mean, you get a little bit of a, of a taste, a flavor of it. Oh, man. What, um, what is this rated? Mouse, but, oh. Yeah, so I guess, uh, let's see. It is... Are there any stats in the bottle? So, yeah. Okay, so Rogue. This guy's to describe it as such. This is dedicated to the rooster. Rogue Sriracha hot stout beer made from Hyoi Fong original hot chili sauce and sun-ripened Rogue Farms ingredients. Is ready to drink with soups, sauces... Pasta, pizza, hot dogs, hamburgers, chow mein, or anything you'd like to wash down with a spicy kick. And none of those things sound appealing right now. No. Uh, so it's 15 degrees plato, plato, 55 IBUs, 77. The hell is A? Is that an AR? Anyway, they got lots of weird things. Uh, and 5.7% ABU. So you're not even going to get drunk on this. You're actually literally drinking it for the flavor. It's kind of upsetting my stomach. Wow, so this gets a 77 overall in rate beer and an 88 for style. What the hell style was it? Stout. I mean, so it gets an 88 for being a stout? 
It's crazy. <laughs> if you want to talk about this beer on Twitter, you can use hashtag Sriracha Stout. And, uh, hashtag uh, awful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess none of us here are fans. I'm probably gonna give it like a two, one point five, somewhere in that rating. Ooh, not a fan. A, I get a point five. Actually, I really do not like this beer. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be able to finish the amount that I poured into my glass. Half a glass. <laughs> I'm not uh, finishing that you, glass. You half a You don't need to. So let's move from something physical painful to mentally painful, okay. as Mike describes why beer is evil. So Sweetwater Brewing Company, which is a beer I don't think really distributes to our area much. Yeah, Georgia, uh, aren't they? Georgia? Okay. Uh, they've recently been uh, distributing to Chicago. Uh, it only started back in March, and actually they've run into some issues already because one business, a uh, beer distributor, has decided to not stock their happy ending Imperial Stout. Uh, basically because the store manager, who is a man before people get up in arms, he claims that the name happy ending is uh, sexist and also borderline racist. Uh, racist being from the artwork on the bottle. So basically, uh, he's, he's taking offense to the fact that it's called Happy Ending, which is basically uh, a reference to male sexual climax, presumably after a massage. Uh, and basically, uh, the images on the bottle include a box of tissues, a, the face of a man achieving what looks to be uh, basically an orgasm, and the silhouette of a geisha. Uh, basically, um, so yeah, uh, he's, he's turned it away, and now it's like hit the papers. So I guess one of the things that we need to talk about is, have, I mean, have you seen the label? Yeah. Are you seeing it? Yeah. Initially, it's like, because you look at the front of the label, and it's basically just a fish that people are catching. And I'm like, well, what the hell are they upset about? Yeah, the well, news article especially only has a photo yeah. of just that part of the label. So it is sort of like, what's the objection? But flanking it are the aforementioned uh, box of tissues with the man's face on it. Actually, he looks more like he's kind of... I don't know, laughing at a funny joke or something. I don't know. It's a, it's a goofy look. I would not have immediately put that as a no face. To be no, honest. no, I wouldn't have either. I mean, the tissues kind of definitely suggest it. But and yes, there is the outline of I guess a geisha girl he's just on the about side. To sneeze. Yeah, actually, that's kind of what it looks like. Uh, so basically, uh, like, do you do you think this guy has a leg to stand on? As far as do you think it's? I mean, I guess as being a independent. Uh, beverage store owner he can stock whatever the hell he feels like it and if he is offended by something then it is his right to return but does he have a point a valid point well so what's interesting is if you look through the google image search for what i search for sweetwater happy ending um the 2013 label has the tissue box with the o face and the outline of the geisha mm -hmm. the 2012 only has the happy face and nothing else no geisha or anything else um i haven't seen a 2014 label um I kind of say like the, one of the most modern ones doesn't even have either of those things on it. Um, they've been it's just a black label color, and it doesn't seem to have either of those things. So uh, e even so, um, I could concede potentially the point of the of the bottle shop. But first, he has the freedom to do whatever the hell he wants. So you're right; he can do whatever the hell he could say. 60 minute IPA is offensive to me yep. for I hate time. Yes, <laughs> and therefore I am not going to stock this beer. Or I just hate dogfish head for whatever reason. Like I generally don't enjoy drinking rogue beers because I've heard some pretty bad horror stories of what it's like being a brewer working for them. So I avoid it. That's my personal choice. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of is the label of this beer sexist? Ah, uh, I um, I look at it and say I feel like there's several other examples that would be a lot more offensive. Um, First of all, the details that he's arguing about are kind of minor details, and they are rather vague. Um, like, yeah, there's an outline of a geisha, but I wouldn't necessarily put together that means, like, you know, anything offensive. Um, and then the tissue box with the guy's face on it, you're right. It doesn't really look like an O-face. So if it is, I feel like it's a, I feel like perhaps he does have an inkling 
of reasonability to be upset about it, but he's really stretching for it. You know, like there are more egregious examples of things to be angry about. Yeah, I mean, the the whole tissue thing, I think, is sort of innocuous. I mean, it's sort of maybe it's not like great humor, but it doesn't. It's not really super offensive. I could now putting the geisha girl on there. I think maybe is taking it a step over the line. Uh, as far as being sexist, I don't think that's really necessary to be on there. Uh, so if any future releases like eliminated that, I think that would be better. But um, I mean, the happy ending tissues. I mean, it's I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not offended by that so much because it's like a male dominated industry. Uh, what, what do you think, Jesse? Well, the geisha part is the is the problem. I mean, happy ending by itself. I mean, I have my own happy ending sometimes. I mean, yeah. that's not sexist. Happy, um, happy ending could really mean anything. I mean, yeah, I mean st- stories have happy endings all the time. Yeah. People aren't necessarily getting jerked off. So. Yeah, well. Well, the question, so for more, like this is the difficulty with the sexism claim in general, is that um, any individual case has to be ridiculously egregious for me to be comfortable in. Because it's, it, it is in a certain perspective a conversation between what the artist's intent was and what the viewer's impression was. Mm-hmm. And so that... Um, there's very different. It's it's a it's a hard dialogue to have. So like, um, I don't guys, if you remember before Zap and Co burnt down, he used to put up mannequin displays, um, and they were always sort of like funny, hip kind of trendy things. And so uh, the owner of of Zap and Co, um, the one year put up a mannequin display that had um, one of the mannequins sort of dressed in a schoolgirl outfit being spanked by another mannequin, like mm-hmm. arm up, you know, over the lap sort of thing. And his reputation in town was someone who was a very progressive forward thinker, but um, certain elements, the very vocal minority of the town flipped a shit about it, about, oh my God, that's offensive and sexist, da, da, da. and he basically had to put out, I don't recall if it really was like a letter to the editor or whatever, but he had a response at some point which was like, guys, essentially, guys, you know me, I was poking fun at this trend or this cliche. Mm-hmm. I wasn't advocating for it. And so to a certain extent, maybe his message got lost to those who were offended. But on the other hand, I think part of it has to go, you have to not just say, the immediate way that I interpret something is the only valid interpretation that I need to also think about the intention of the author. So, like, for me, I want a little consistency. So, if this guy's pissed about this being offensive, then is he, offense, is he offended by the St. Pauli girl label? Mm-hmm. There's a woman there, yeah, blonde, big boobs, all in her dirndl or whatever it's called, like, like, busting out, carrying a bunch of beers. Is that sexist to you? Like, mm-hmm. or is that an empowered woman? Like, let's talk about other beer labels, and are you equally offended by all of these things? Or for whatever reason, are you just picking on this one and then if so why is this more egregious than another one where it's a busty woman carrying beers for you i mean hell we call them beer wenches i mean it's not <laughs> like i mean like that i feel like saying we're gonna put a beer wench on our bot on a label has to be more offensive than definitely happy ending with a bunch of tissues yeah no i definitely agree with that i guess the just the, the geisha thing is just like a very like sensitive subject in general Whereas people still willingly, you know, dress up in dirndls, you know, you don't have to force them to do that. Right. So that is sort of maybe an empowering thing, yes. But the whole, like, submissive geisha thing, uh, touching a man, that, I guess that's what sort of, I guess, comes across to me as uh, offensive. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a, a right to be offended by it. I just looked at what is actually there. And it's, I mean, the Sweetwater logo is what's first and foremost most prominent on the bottle. Yeah, I mean, like, I... That's I probably would have be. never have really noticed it at all if it had not been pointed out to me. Yeah. 
And you, that, I mean, basically the, the tissues in the geisha woman are on the back of the, the late, basically on the back of the bottle. And so that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be displayed to the customers and whatnot. And I don't feel like it's arguing for the exploitation of Asian women in any way. So I'm trying to figure out how combining that. Cause I almost kind of think like in, geisha is part of Japanese culture. And so I'd be more offended if it was like a woman in like a masseuse's outfit, you know, then that would be like, well, that's sort of implying that this, the Wurlesage stereotype is actually <laughs> a legitimate stereotype and we're encouraging that. But, um, you know, and I don't know how the guy who's ordering it doesn't know that this isn't like in a tongue in cheek thing where we're pointing it out as being like, this is supposed to be more of towards satire than it is necessarily something explicitly to be like, isn't it funny? And maybe that, that was like, they were trying to think of something that like, oh, like how do you put like a masseuse on your label? Like what does a masseuse look like? Right. Well, let's, let's go with a geisha because that's, you know, something that they've been sort Could of affiliated be. with. So it's a really, really, really hard. Um, in general, these things are hard. And I think the, the problem with them is, is that it's that discussions on sexism are difficult because you're talking, uh, you're talking sub in a large gray subjective area, and these things are hard. I've been having, I've been paying attention to the whole sexism in video games debate for a very long period of time, and part of the problems I've had there is that those who are advocating um, for staunch sexism that needs to be immediately stopped in video games is, um, it's really easy to tear down anything as being sexist. So you run into problems where like Samus from Metroid isn't a powerful female character, even though you play the whole game assuming she's male, and then at the end she takes off her zero suit and she's been a woman the whole time. But that's not a powerful female character. That's sexist because you've just put a female in a male role. That's still sexist. And I'm like, how the fuck does that make sense? Like, so it's yeah, sexist if I make her have feminine characteristics, but then it's also sexist if I make her have male characteristics. So then what what does it take to have a legitimate ma a female character? And my answer would be that it, it, they should just be interesting. You know, like a character can be strong physically, weak physically, that they can be emotional, they can be devoid of emotion, but the important thing is they just have to be interesting. They have to have a backstory and true motivations and mm -hmm. reasonable res humanity, human responses. Um, so I, that's, but I, it's really hard because one man's, one, one woman's hero could be another woman's like disgusting example of blatant sexism. Um, another game is uh, Nintendo has a property called Bayonetta, where mm -hmm. literally the woman's sexuality is what gives her power to conquer her enemies. Oh, wow, and, really? and yeah, so she has hair, and as you do moves, uh -huh. uh, part of her magic is that her hair forms her clothing. Like it turns into what looks like real clothing, but as she does more powerful moves, she needs more hair. So her super moves actually remove clothing for her to the point where like she is naked in a cyclone of hair doing massive damage to bad guys uh -huh. you obviously it's a pg i think it's like a pg-13 rated game so you never see anything like of blatant nudity but uh -huh. clearly that is different uh, as a character model there is a huge subsection of feminists who argue that because she's in charge of her own destiny she's strong you know she has um agency uh, that she is a, a strong female character and she should be lauded as such, that we should hold her up as, here's an example of a great, strong female character. Then there's a whole other subsection that goes, this game is only the masturbatory fantasy of like 13-year-old boys. It's horribly sexist. And I'm like, it's not even an argument between like men and women. It's not even an argument between like, you know, 
idiots and thoughtful people. It is an argument within feminism themselves as to what this character is. Right. And so that's where I really get into these things where, like, are all of Sweet Lauder labels pretty on, you know, borderline sexist? Then well, maybe you'd have a stronger point. Maybe not sexist, but they definitely are, like, say, controversial. Like, they actually mm-hmm. say that, he, that this is pretty much the only Sweetwater beer he's rejected because he has other Sweetwater beers, including their, including their 420 Extra Pale Ale on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So apparently the whole, like, obviously the reference to drug culture, he's right. perfectly fine with. But there was just something about the, the happy ending just rubbing well, the wrong way. drug Whoops. culture doesn't really <laughs> hurt anybody, so maybe that's no the difference. Intended. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... I don't really personally. I don't really care one way or the other because it's not no. my beer shop. But I think it is something that, um, since craft brewing, brewing is such a boys' club, I think it's something yeah. that brewers should be careful about when naming beers. Yeah, and I think you do see it more and more. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up too. But like with our our friends, you know, at Hamfest <laughs> when there was the panty dropper pale ale, like none oh. of our friends were offended, no. and and you would think that that would be pretty offensive or date rapey even and our friends just thought it was a funny name you know so sure. part of that is they realize that well when the panties drop it's usually it's 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 through the girl's volition though it's not it's, not if the beer lubricates the process is what i'm is what is a i thought it was if the beer was think, turning her on yes yep. But I think that well, argument... Well, it's that good of a beer. But It's oh. like she doesn't need a man. She just needs this beer. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I see. All right, all right. But that's what I'm saying is you can read it very genu- genuinely and generously and say that it's not a big deal. Or you can intentionally go out there and saying, didn't you know that date rape is a real big problem? Which it is. And that it often involves alcohol, which is true. Therefore, their only way to read a panty dropper as a name is that it's implying that date rape is a good thing. And that is a chain of logic that is pretty reasonable to get from point A to offended. But you can also just say, it's a silly name about a guy who wanted his beer to be so good that women took their clothes off. Like, and that's and since we all knew the brewer and are friends with the brewer and knew that he isn't a skis ball and wasn't implying the other interpretation, we were all comfortable with it. And that's the problem is when you anonymize the transaction, it becomes very difficult to know what actually is intended. Like Aaron would be deeply hurt if anyone ever said your beer name is sexist because he clearly is not a sexist person and he would be totally upset by that because that would never be his intention but the problem is is part of that is how does the receiver read it and um and there are certain people who i think are much more inclined to be offended that's true plus ironically i think it made more men take off their clothes than women so <laughs> this is true that's a very good beer definitely definitely true it was it was sexy times all around <laughs> but that's something we'll have to keep an eye on Keep an eye on beers and see, yeah. is there really a trend of them getting a little more saucy as we, first of all, start running out of beer names, because that's also a problem that... Uh, yeah, exactly. Pretty much <laughs> the only thing left will be offensive names. <laughs> Things Hitler, like Purple Hit- Monkey Dishwasher, yeah. because everything, literally everything else has been taken. So the only thing left is Hitler Pale Ale and... <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Holocaust. Oh, all right. No, that beer's bad. That beer, uh, oh, just yeah. had another sip of the Sriracha. <laughs> Now it hits you. A little warmer, not good. Woo. Anyway, I want to finish this so we can get on to the next section where we're going to try some good beer. So let's move on to a little beer versus beer, coffee edition. Beer versus beer. Mike and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter, one beer leaves. 
<laughs> so it should be no surprise to listeners or friends that I have no love for coffee. Just the way you said coffee edition. Yeah, <laughs> considering I've, I've like mentioned 18 times in the podcast alone and like 30 times a night. But regardless of roast, blend, or how much cream and sugar one can shove into something, still technically called coffee, it all ends up tasting overly bitter to me. While oftentimes the naming of things that some consider still coffee, like Dirty Girl with Whip, I just can't get over the authentic coffee tastes. Yet, despite being a contributing member of this podcast, it doesn't seem to shield me from having to drink some awful tasting beer. As early in this podcast would illustrate, oh boy, I wrote that ahead of time assuming that this beer would be terrible, and I was right. Ah, <laughs> good call. Uh, so today, our beer version beer involves one of Jesse's favorite things in the world, coffee. So hopefully, Jesse, you're excited about this. Well. Can't drink a lot of it, but no. a couple of tastes. We'll you'll, see. You'll at least know what's good to when you finally are feeling 100%. Yeah. You can go back out and get shit-faced on I'm coffee I'm excited beer. about that. Take deep inhale. It whiffs. Mmm. Um, so, Mike, I will toss it to you. Do you want to go first or second? Yeah, I'd prefer to go first, if I may. Yeah, go right ahead. All right, excellent. I probably will blow your... Blow the pout away. <laughs> Gets your blood pumping, at least. It's not like... It's. I don't feel like my body's rejecting it, at least. It's just not a pleasant... You're not immediately vomiting. <laughs> no, it's not like Bud Light where like I take a couple swigs of that and my stomach immediately goes, I'm now nauseous, I, which I don't know if that's something in Bud, Bud Light or if I just really don't like the taste of Bud Light that much. But, um, Yeah, I would be curious to, to basically get a panel of people together who really love Sriracha and say do, and Stouts and be like, do you enjoy this thing? Because doesn't Emily love both of these things? I like both yeah. of those things. But I also like both chocolate and salsa. <laughs> Put them together for salsa. Yeah, I'm really missing the um, over easy I was drinking beforehand. Thank you, sir. So we are going to be drinking the the Cobb, the Cob, Free Will's Coffee Oatmeal Brown. So this is a little bit lighter beer than a thick stout that you usually see coffee added to, but I don't think it's any less delicious. So I really enjoy Free Will. Uh, I think they're more known for their IPAs. They're really killing it with them. But uh, this beer is actually very delicious as well. So um, not that we've ever had it for beer versus beer, but we did sample in very small quantities this when we had the uh, craft oh, tasting guys on. Oh, okay. And That's right. He did let us pairings, taste it with pairing the things. And it did pair delightfully with whatever chocolate that we ended up pairing it with. <laughs> so I enjoy their label. It's uh, blah, 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 Imperial Southern English style, brown ale, blah, blah, intense, blah, blah, delicious. <laughs> Uh, basically, yeah, and it's actually surprisingly high in ABV. It's eight point three percent, but I think it still is very mellow tasting, from what I recall. And I knew I this was familiar to me somewhere, and I guess it was the craft tastings guy. Um, it certainly smells like coffee. You get a lot of coffee. You get a lot of vanilla too, like um, like a coffee that's had like a lot of like hazelnut or one of those like um, liquid sweeteners added stuff added to it. It's a dark brown in color, but you do get a, a very I, I get a very nice coffee coffee strong note. That's oh, yeah. balanced by a lot of other like sweetness uh, sweeteners, but it's 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 balanced by the bitterness in the coffee to me. It's yeah, you're like, right. There's sweetness in there. Um, it it's not bad sweetness. Maybe it, it definitely is like maybe more of a dessert beer or something that you might um, just savor versus you know drink if you're drinking for the night. And keep burping up sriracha. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna help. No, it's not gonna help at all. Um, no, you're right. There's like a sweetness, almost like a vanilla-y or even like a chocolatey sweetness 
in there. I could see why this paired very nicely with chocolate. Definitely. Um, and you get that initially, um, but you do kind of feel like there's a light bitterness in there uh, as it's like sitting in your mouth. You're taking your first swallow, and then that all just sort of mellows away to just coffee. Yeah. And all I get on the on the end of it is just coffee, and a, and a strong and um, legitimate coffee. This is almost like when we had the chocolate covered espresso beans. It's almost yes. like a very similar experience. To That's that, exactly actually. what I get out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised. I can't believe it's eight point three percent. It is extremely light in the mouth. Uh-huh. Uh, the mouthfeel is it's it's. I wouldn't even say anything remotely close to that. You definitely don't get an alcohol flavor or burn at all. No, I mean it is it's fairly creamy, not not extremely so, but you definitely do get like sort of the oatmeal oatmealness out of it. I imagine if I liked coffee more, I would really really love this beer. All right. And in fact, if I had a piece of chocolate to cut the the tail of the coffee, I would actually be super thrilled. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Sorry, I didn't bring any of that this time. It's all right. That would that would um, distort the uh, the findings anyway. So that'll take us on to mine, um, which I kind of bought blind. Um, but then uh, Kevin at the fridge goes, "Oh, that one's amazing!" So I'm hoping that it turns out well. So my beer is Hardy Woods Coffee Stout. It is a Russian Imperial Coffee Stout. Whoa. Yeah. It's from the Reserve Series. Huh. It is um, 9.3% alcohol by volume with 55 IBUs. And it comes in a very, very beautiful, nice little label with a jar of coffee on it. So, um, wow, they have one of those double-deckered bicycles on top of a tree as part of the logo, which is pretty hilarious. Wait, is, it, is that the penny? No, it's not a penny uh, farthing. No, it's not a penny like farthing. The, yeah. So I'm going to pour this out for you guys, and, uh... Enough to knock the rest of this cold out of me. That's all I need. Thank you. Whiskey. Whiskey for everyone. Yeah, really. Actually, that's what does it. <laughs> I feel like we're going to have a, a lot of drain pours, not because the beers are bad, but just because none of us really want to drink, drink too much right now. Um, hmm. Whoa, the smell is definitely different. Oh, yeah? Like... Not what I would have expected. I got huh. a lot more of, like, a like almost a barley wine smell. Yeah. Maybe, like, roasted... Roasted malts. Yeah, but I almost it almost smells like like What's grape this? musk or something. Yeah, it's like a, a sweetness, like a like that you will get out of a barley wine. Yeah, something like alcoholic and sweet. Um, it has a bit of a you know, nice chocolatey head. It's a little darker than the cob, um, not quite nearly as transparent. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more robust. Not, you know, impressive or oppressively so, but. I definitely get a feel. You get a feel for the nine percent ABV, much more that. so than yeah. my yeah my COB. I get less coffee though. I get much less coffee. It's much more subdued. I'm actually, um, I would view this much more towards just a, a nice Russian Imperial style. Yeah, maybe a hint of coffee in there versus like the COB had boom coffee. This would be mm-hmm. like I actually will now pour myself a little bit more of this yeah. because I'm more inclined to drink it because the COB was pretty. Brutal on the coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brutal on the coffee. Brutal on the mm. coffee. For my personal preferences. Um, yeah, but I, I'm really surprised. I don't really get much of a toasted malts flavor to it. Like, it doesn't come off as like a Russian Imperial stout to me much. No, I really don't get that much either. It's mild. For calling it a Russian Imperial. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like, like a strong stout, sure, but. Yeah, Russian Imperial stout brewed with locally roasted coffee. Where did this name originate from anyway? Russian Imperial. Imperial. Well, imperial just means double, so and yeah, then like Russian a, imperial, and then um, uh, allegedly, I don't know how true the story is, is that it was a style that was brewed especially strong for the Russian czars. 
Oh, okay. Or made popular by, yeah, by sounds about right. sending it to Russia. Is this the Sadamo coffee stout? Yep. Nice. Great beer gives it a 92 overall, but only a 41 for style. So ah, somehow, so it's a good beer, but not on style. The Wait, bro- Sadamo is that the type of beans they're using. I think Perhaps. so. Yeah, yeah, Ethiopia Sadamo coffee. Yeah, Ethiopia Sadamo. Yeah, you, Jesse knows. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was asking. Yeah, I saw. Okay. I, I'm not trying to bias your opinion. I'm just trying to educate you. I know. Oh, I, I don't know what kind of coffee mine was used. Oh, oh you didn't get the Yerga Chef? The Yerga Chef? It just says blah 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 on it. <laughs> I was hysterically. I was at brunch the other day. And uh, they had um, a bunch of coffee selections. There was like a Mexican blend, and then there was a three African blend, and then there was some. So I wasn't paying attention at all, and I turned back to the cashier because uh, Janine was buying the all-you-can-eat buffet breakfast thing at the whatever it is, the kitchen table or whatever it is over by the Quirk and Cap. Yeah, the baker's table. Baker's table. And uh, <laughs> so I turn around, and the woman and the woman looks like looks right at me and points, and is just like three Africans, and that's all I heard was just three Africans, and yeah. I'm like, what? What? The, huh? And then she kind of got like this panic look at my face, and I just sort of like turned away, like I'm re- removing myself from the situation. And then Janine like comes up to me, she's like, "It's a coffee blend," and I'm like, "What?" And she goes, it, "She wasn't saying anything offensive. It was a type of coffee." And I was like, "Oh, I didn't assume. I just didn't know what was going on." So I removed myself from the situation. Three Africans. I yeah. wasn't judging one way or the other. Um, but yeah, it can be a little weird. Yeah, like Ethiopian coffee, like Rwanda. I have five pounds of Rwanda right now. I enjoy that. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it says there's um, distinctive blueberry undertones. Do you get that? It's There's a complicated flavor there. I don't know if I'd say blueberry, but... Mm, I could be convinced. Mm. Yeah, there's a sweetness there. But I don't understand how the Rogue gets an 88 for style, where this only gets a 41. I mean, like, we both agree it's not really a Russian Imperial stout, but the Rogue's not really a stout either. I mean, um, yeah, nothing about it says... Well, anyway. I don't know. I don't know, but I guess it's not really up to us. I think Jesse, the coffee connoisseur, needs to tell us which one is which one is square one and which one is Chestnut Hill Cafe. <laughs> uh, I like Mike's. I like oh, Mike's. It's uh, the, the coffee, better coffee flavor. It's creamier. Okay. Yeah. Um, with Rob's, it was a little bit more harsh, and I didn't like the house, the, the al- that alcoholic presence at the end. It's just mm. like, oh, yeah. there's there was At first, it's like, oh, there's beer. Then you're like, there's, you know, that barley wine flavor or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know. Yeah, it is. Is brisk. Did, is there a when it was brewed on date? For Hardywood? Yeah. Hardywood? I guess since it's part of the reserve series, I guess they're advocating that you uh, sell this one. Pairs with sweet cakes, blue vein cheeses, and creamy desserts. Ooh, I wouldn't put this with the blue vein cheese. But... And you're supposed to slowly pour it into a stem glass and savor at 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, close enough. <laughs> we did not do, but. Um, I do not see a best. Oh best shit! Way. Wrong beer. Ah, oh, goddamn! <laughs> <laughs> I got all these dark beers. I thought, remember, oh, remember when we were talking about making that as a joke beer? <laughs> we do exactly what just happened to you. Yeah. Mike just punked himself. <laughs> no, I don't see any dates on here. All right, I was curious. Well, cool. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely enjoyed the Hardywood Park, and I'd like to see it aged. But I do, I do love the Cob. Yeah, they're both good beers. At least, yeah, Cob. I have the exact opposite reaction to Jesse, but it's probably because I just don't like the taste of coffee. Mm-hmm. So I True. I applaud his decision making, but uh, it's just not what I would have chosen in his stead. So, which is good because he's the coffee guy and I'm not. So I think he chose well. This is not the beer of a coffee fanatic. Well, that's it for today's show. We hoped you enjoyed the three of us getting jazzed up on coffee. Thankfully for ourselves, our sleeping habits, and our significant others, there's actually not caffeine in these beers. Just a delicious taste of roasted coffee. 
Join us next week as we have an amazing sample sode as to be yet undetermined. And um, please, if any of you out there are listening and you've made it this far in the episode, uh, send us your thoughts on the Simpsons episode. I'm very curious to see how the last sample sode went yeah, on definitely. Public Appeal. It was a very fun time to record. We have a couple of other projects along that line that are uh, potentially on the back burner that I would love to bring to the fore if there was some sort of... Uh, crowd appeal for us riffing on beer related media yeah we could do beer fest love that movie oh yeah beer fest would be great i was thinking uh brew buddies mm-hmm. um um and uh we could also do the terrible drinking buddies um that was that uh craft brewer romantic comedy oh yeah yeah that was actually it was surprisingly well acted there was actually no real so it was improv all the oh, dialogue yeah, right. was improv the situations were set up ahead of time but they were all Improv, which is cool because the actors talked over one each other and it was like a real conversation. But overall, it was just sort of a not great film, which is a shame because the delightfully wonderful, not my girlfriend, Olivia Wilde, was in it. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And of course, keep on drinking coffee beers. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer, or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and keep drinking. Keep drinking.